0: Well, I've been thinking about advocacy with my creative business in a variety of ways. And maybe I have too many thoughts jumbled up. So I'm really excited today to talk about uh, advocacy in my creative business with Jersey Drozd because um, I know he's been doing this kind of stuff for years, dealing with comics and setting up events and all this stuff. And uh, I bet he has a lot of thoughts on it. So looking forward to that on today's show.
1: Hello. Thank you for downloading, listening to, and watching the Lean Into Artcast. This is a show where a couple of visual storytellers get together and, oh, we have a creative work chat, as a matter of fact. I'm doing the old intro. (laughs) This is where we explore a creative problem, things that come up as being visual storytellers, teaching artists, and learners. My name is Jersey Drozd. I'm a cartoonist and teaching artist, and the other host is...
0: Hey, I'm Rob Stenzinger. I'm a user experience designer, an interactive maker, and also a teaching artist.
1: Good to see you, Rob. Oh
0: Good uh, to see you, Jersey.
1: So, yeah, introducing some advocacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, where, where, where did this topic come from? Uh,
0: I think it's, it's sort of implicit in some ways, and I want to un- unpack that, where it's like, oh, I care a ton about um, a combination of creative disciplines and then, in general, encouraging creativity and practice, right? But funneled toward also causes so i've got this tangle of 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 things that that i start to think about when i'm like well i'm launching new products and um uh thinking about well oh i could do a scholarship for um for my workshops or how could that work what is it all the workshops just one and what cause how many causes well i'm already caring a lot about the disciplines anyway you know so I'm, i'm stuck in this kind of situation um, so, cause, and I wanted, I want to do this in, in a way where it's, you know, there's so many things I care about, but, uh, one, like, like for years on the show, I, we, my introduction is a, is always a, um, it's like a, you know, put a cup of dice together and a bunch of words and, and who knows what Rob's going to say as far as all the things I care about and the things I do, right. I'm, I'm fortunate and privileged. I've, I've done a variety of things and lots of titles and i I care about them all in different ways, right, and uh, now i've been focusing and what have you but but like that i don't know caring about a lot of things doesn't always like doesn't make the best focused communication it doesn't um uh always land sometimes it does right but mm-hmm. i i just i want to do a good job with this so i'm I'm curious how do you like how are how are you how, how did this come up for you with, I mean, you obviously super advocate for comics and, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, visual learning and fluency and all kinds of other s- things that come with that, making it safe to create. And I don't know, tons of stuff is all woven in your work and I don't know. Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you do it? What, how does it come up for you? And, or like, what's your initial reaction to this?
1: So, what I'm hearing in there, and this was like, when, I, when you proposed this topic, it's funny, I, I was just engaging with this very idea of describing who my audience is as a cartoonist. And I, had, mm. I found that I had very clear language for who my audience is as a cartoonist, and it came out of the fact that I've done all this work as an advocate through my creative work. So... If you go back to, so for, for people who are new to the, the, the podcast, I, I focus on making comics for young people. And that was something I decided very early on in my career. Not in any kind of focused way. I just knew that I want to make comics that do for children what comics did for me when I was a child. Therefore, I'm going to focus on making comics for young people. And so I'm never going to do anything rated R. I'm never going to do anything that has a certain level of violence or, or, or um, uh, I would say complex or sophisticated themes. They say sophisticated themes, and I, I I ruffle when people use that word to mean, like, oh, it's just gonna be a lot of blood and gore. Um, but it, sometimes it doesn't, you know, like a lot of times it doesn't. Anyway, um, so I knew from an early age that's what I wanted to do, but it wasn't until I started to work in teaching, teaching my comics craft to kids, and then also developing Kids Read Comics with Dan Mishkin, Edith uh, Donnell, and Dan and Katie Merritt, which became the Ann Arbor Comic Arts Festival, um, that Defining how we want to help these constituencies really helped me understand not only, um, how do I put it? Not only d- defining that make it clearer to like create a mission around this nonprofit organization that I work with, but it gave me a, a much clearer uh, piece of language to, to define who I want to help, right? So something you and I have talked about, like sort of off mic is, like this idea of branding your business to where, oh, what was that? What was that really hyper-specific example you had for me where somebody was like, like a, a mentor for people with horses or something like that, right?
0: Mm. Um, Even more specific, yeah. <laughs> um, a, a men, like a, a mentor coach for people who are uh, very athletic in a particular event with your horses.
1: Wow! So you you hear that and you that's, think like, oh my gosh, a- that that is so narrow and so prescriptive and so you're you're cutting and
0: out- wait and also, um, into yoga. <laughs> so <That's> awesome! <laughs> I I look at that and I'm I'm just blown. Away. I'm like such power. I can't ever get that specific help. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. So I keep going. So Sorry. so.
1: It started with, like, if you if you go back to, like, when I started teaching, that was something where I, I walked into schools where they didn't have art, and that was shocking to me, right? That was, like, I noticed a deficit, and a deficit was made abundantly clear to me. These are children who are nine years old, and they're terrified of drawing. Have you ever met a nine-year-old terrified of drawing? That is astonishing, right? And so I'm, like, mm-hmm. somebody needs to, to help. This, the, the help is needed here, right? So, I'm going to make sure that I'm available to help in this way for as many kids as I can. As I can. Then with uh, Kids Read Comics, when that festival started, it was because at the time, in 2008, there weren't a lot of graphic... The, the uh, kid-lit graphic novel boom hadn't happened yet, and the major comics companies, Marvel and DC, were were very clear in their disinterest in serving that market. So... We saw another deficit. Okay, these people need help. We need to create a festival that's just for kids and families and celebrate the people who are making work for them, right? So it always, all these events came out of noticing a deficit and then wanting to help them in a very specific way that we had the power to help them with. So with teaching, it's like I can use my gentle and cheerful presence to give kids a sense of belonging so they feel safe in exploring things, uh, exploring their creativity, and with kids read comics, it was we can bring the people to these children to let them know that their community cares about them, and you know um, that, that 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 comics should be a celebrated reading experience in their homes. Um. Mm. So. Uh,
0: yeah. So many interesting connections connections just in that it's almost um so in in some gigs and things i've I've worked on it's it there's been uh, like hey let's l- let's work on a business hypothesis to set up a marketplace and what what does a marketplace do it makes it efficient for two different parties to exchange you know value right and so classics you know yeah, i don't I even want to mention the super popular well airbnb also probably well, Anyway, but you, you have this available thing and then you've got an audience that needs it, but then someone can make it easier and can make that connection. And you're doing that two different ways. You're doing that with the skills of comics and bringing that to, to children, right? But then you're also doing that with the, uh, like the available media and the industry and then connecting them with that same audience too, right? So almost like two different marketplaces connecting with at least three different groups. Yep. Um, and... And I know that you would have primary and secondary audiences in there as well, because it's not just kids, it's their parents and um, peers and all this stuff. So, um, I mean, I don't maybe it's I wonder, like, did you how much of that was a plan? You know, (laughs) you you saw you saw the problem, like all the other part
1: of the story is like you saw the
0: need. You responded to the need.
1: Yeah. Um, So I, I think in the first case with the teaching, I bumped into the need. I didn't know. I had I had no idea what was happening in schools until I took Mm -hmm. this job with ArtServe Michigan to to be an artist in residence at 10 different Detroit public schools. And when I saw it, then that's when the mission was activated. It started out as like, this will be a fun way. I'll get to help some kids out the way. I wish I had like guidance and support when I was a child because I grew up in a rural area where there wasn't really like strong art programming my uh, elementary school art teacher was the high school chemistry teacher who was sort of doing art begrudgingly (laughs) it's like okay i guess we're doing this now you know it had like that kind of attitude in the (laughs) classroom so like i i didn't i didn't have a lot of support in like my interests in in the creative arts as a child so there was that so like that's how i went in was like i wish i had somebody to back me up like that i'll go do that and then when i saw how like really bad it was in some of those schools where I heard a third grade teacher say, you'll never be a professional if you draw like that. And I had to intervene <laughs> and say, well, we don't talk to creative people like that. <laughs> um, you know, it, it then like the, the mission, like it, like sort of like, I don't know, it was a seed that like suddenly exploded into a plant inside of me and went into all my veins and like, okay, this is something I, I can't let happen anymore. Um, so it wasn't planned. <laughs> Kids Read Comics was planned. Kids Read Comics was, I had a conversation with Dan Mishkin in 2006 at a convention and we said, wouldn't it be great if there was a comics festival for kids because we both love kids comics and it'd be a shame if the industry turned its back on them entirely. And let's, wouldn't it be wonderful not only to give kids a really wonderful experience at a convention, but wouldn't it be great to like applaud the people who are actually like trying to support children through their work, right? And then Mm. uh, what was it, three years later, or two years later, I became a teaching artist, and then I, I put two and two together. I'm like, this is how I can help, right? Because the conversation I had with Dan was like, yeah, that would be great, but who's going to do it? And then when I, when I started teaching, I was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Now we can connect <laughs> with schools and libraries. And then I call, you know, emailed Dan. I was like, hey, remember when you said? And then you know, we, we, we reached out to people we knew and put the, put the nonprofit together. But, um, but it, it, I guess both of them started with me noticing a painful need and me kind of stumbling around going like but how can I help with that and just letting it letting it roll around until the idea clicked and then I went I think that's the way I can help um but um and then and then I mean if you want to talk like years later by showing up in that way that opened up all new sorts of opportunities for advocacy like when we start talking about projects like um seriously chelsea and that project that i do with them where I, I they actually hire me to make comic books for kids and then the, the comics are given away to the school district for free and then i go do school visits and then we even tr- uh, teach the kids how to make their own comics so they can continue on the series and you can see there's actually a float and a parade with my characters on it <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome so the yeah and these huge are huge all- mascots of
0: uh of like dame lady cat and all that oh my gosh
1: yeah, so like this is, yeah. this only happened because we were doing Kids Read Comics as a festival event. And then the people from Seriously Chelsea saw me doing it. And they saw me performing and working with kids and said, this, well, yeah.
0: And I got to say, in this reel, too, for those in, you know, listening to the podcast, I mean, there's so many interesting different connections with comics and experience and art and being encouraged and uh, celebrating in a variety of ways. Doing hands-on work, engaging with others' work. There's uh, just so many layers of things that I'm seeing in this uh, reel. It's it's wild. (laughs) Um, That yeah, so many different kinds of connections that that sort of represent moments of the um, of the of the work of the of of the doing the service, um, embodying the the advocacy. Wow. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. So. I don't know. I don't know. What, what do you connect with on that, Rob, as you think about the ways that you want to introduce advocacy into your work?
0: Well, I mean, so you bring up a, a really interesting point that, that 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 general pattern is certainly what I've noticed in um, I, I, I identify with it. I don't know if it's just back, you know, rationalization, turning something into a story. But if I look at my experience of, um, I cared a lot about making video games, so I started a business to do that that led to doing um, some some work with others that that uh, that needed like multimedia stuff. And this was in a time when it was less common. So if you knew someone who knew someone, whatever, that was like, oh, I'm going to demo at a booth at a thing and it would be neat if we had an animation. Oh, I know someone who knows. And all of a sudden we're doing these little consulting things, making websites. Soon I get into a corporate gig with this stuff where in a world that wasn't didn't care about the web. They're like, what the heck is the internet? And I don't care. Money comes in that door. (laughs) This is dumb. Right. And, and I thought, wow, I'm glad I'm here. This has options to help. Right. So communication, potentially exchanging, you know, goods and services and products, what have you. And, and well, also our internal knowledge. And why would I care about helping knowledge happen internally? You just suffer and ask those who sits next to you, go away. So I'm like, okay, cool. We'll demonstrate and make this work. So I'm like the ability for people to share the knowledge and capabilities through the internet started is where things started. But then wondering what about the resistance and the humanity of the, like how hard it is to understand the problem and then to act on the problem and all that. This is when all of a sudden I'm like, how do I deal with this? This is the problem I observe. And then I encounter things like um, systemic human-centric design, right? Systemic-minded, all that stuff. And I'm like, whoa, okay, wow. So people have cognition and our our abilities and how we see things, and, and then I'm like, nope, we can just do this on our projects. <laughs> we can go talk to our audiences. And they're like, wait, what? Just put a thing in front of people and shut up. I'm like, nah, but watch this. And all of a sudden, you know, we start to notice, well, gosh, we're getting a lot of complaints about how so many of the things that our company does um, are just, you know, frustrating for our clients. And I'm like, well, cause you know, they all look very different and are confusing and are built in a way that doesn't include how they think and speak and, and act in the world. So what if we watch them and learn from them and then incorporate that and also make it easier for everyone? So I, early in my career, my, like, I got tangled up in this whole, like uh, seeing the benefit of, user-centered design, but also building systems infused with it and also connecting it to a developer audience who could take that and spread the consistency, right? So it's the kind of thing like you'll hear nowadays folks talking about uh, design systems and stuff, right? Well, it's kind of early days of that, early days of uh, content management systems, early, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. frameworks. And I I was like, I didn't plan on that. I couldn't have told you uh, years ago that I would see a problem and then get super into solving that kind of problem it doesn't make sense in some ways where 16 year old me would be like, shut up. I'm on my skateboard. And you know, uh, you know, do you want to form a band anyway? Mm -hmm. Um, where comics, I see like, there's more of like, there's a, there's a little more obvious through line, but in a way the comment, like I saw the thing and I saw that I could help Mm -hmm. and, and it affected me and I continued to act on that in my career until that was, you know, well, UX is one of the cornerstone focuses of what I do. Anyway, well, um, and, and then all worked in there, too, is like a lot of people feel a resistance for doing anything different and, and, and activating their creativity and then and behaving in new ways that leads to new outcomes. And I'm like, hey, this is safe. It's OK. And I've found I have skill in encouraging groups to do this. And, and that's where my career went. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, go go ahead. Well,
1: in the stories you're telling, you're also highlighting one of the difficulties of introducing advocacy into your work is being able to communicate that value to a constituency, right? So when when Dan and I and Edith Mm. and the uh, the, the merits of Kids Read Comics first came up with the idea of like, let's do this thing. We shopped it around to different libraries thinking that libraries are going to be the place where we have, we'll have the maximum benefit in that. there's a lot of like incidental foot traffic a lot of families go to libraries on weekends. they already do like family day events at like public libraries and they're very similarly aligned with us in, ter- in terms of mission in that they are there they have have the responsibility of, of uh, spending money towards public good and so we came in with this attitude of Here is something that will be very good for the public, right? Not everybody saw it, right? Some people were like, "Why? You just put out some coloring pages, you know?" It's like put out some coloring pages, and then maybe have kids dress up as superheroes, and that that, there you got a you got a festival, you know? I'm like, well, we want to do something a little richer oh, you want to do something richer than us, huh? You know, I was like, well, okay, let me take that language back. (laughs) Yeah, do I'm going to tell
0: you, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) Everyone loves to hear that.
1: Yeah, I know, right? So like, that was like, that was something I had to learn the hard way in the way I was engaging with some of these libraries I was talking to, um, was finding a way to learn what they need and use their own language to point back to the value that I had to offer, Right. So then this is something you do all the time in your coaching work, right? It's like li- listening and absorbing and hearing how they're framing things and what language they're using. And then, you know, reflecting that as you bring them towards like, you know, pointing towards other possibilities. Um, so. And,
0: and I picked up that style from, from finding, uh, like, how do you do, how do you recognize a, a challenge and, and communicate that with folks who can, um, come together to, to help meet it. Right. And, that that work is i think you can have projects and designs, things that are there that are funded with the assumption of show up and make it better what you do is better and the thing is when you show up that have, that assumes there's somewhere and some people and stuff there's things that already exist and you need to find out and understand well what caused them to come there and to exist and how do you communicate and connect with them and just show up and be imposing or like, you know, drop solutions that, that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Uh, it takes, it takes that communicate, that involvement and, 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 uh, Mm -hmm. discovering and learning. Like you will be changed by every darn project and every audience and every, um, like venue you connect with. If you're doing it in a way that, that cares about including them.
1: Right. But making them understand, making uh, a constituency understand that you're there to help and that you want to include them isn't always the easiest part of the job. Right. I think that's, that's true. too. That's a very difficult part of the job. Um, showing them that you have buy in in some way. Right. And that mm-hmm. you have that you have parallel or overlapping missions, because maybe and this is something I've run into is not every organization has a very clear and articulated sense of what their mission is. Right. So if I come in and I say, I say, I see your mission is this and this is how we overlap. Well, that's how I see it. That isn't necessarily how they see it.
0: Exactly. You just used a bunch of words that we don't use here. Yep. So, yeah. So that's that's where if you have the ability to build an understanding relationship to to see how they frame things and how what what do they what what are their opportunities and goals and things they face and how they got there. And now you will have a lot more potential nuanced way to package what we what you have to share. And I, let's see, I think this is in the realm of like, even like human centered selling, right? Because you're trying to sort of close a deal, get a commitment to work together in which in a way is sales. Uh, And, and different people find, you know, they have different strengths in building trust and, and some ways are well met with some audiences and some aren't. So, I mean, that, that is a whole lot of stuff to navigate. If you think about uh, advocacy as is, is sort of this, this um, well, what's our next effort or what is our next project? And, and here you are at, at that square again if, as soon as you start to work with a new org. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and another thing that you had in your notes for this was the, this idea of like advocacy in the form of mentoring because hmm. I think that's an interesting one because like I'm talking right now about like, like projects that took me years to work on to get them to be as, and like in Kids Read Comics, it's a very small organization and the event is not a huge, you know, it's like, like I don't know, like 7,000 people or something come to a 2 caf something in the neighborhood. It's not like, it's not South by Southwest, but it's it's something that took a lot of work to build up to a point. So I think the first year we had 75 people come to the show, you know, something like that. Um, maybe 750. I don't forget. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Anyway, the point is, is that there's like more smaller and direct ways that one can engage in some kind of advocacy. And when you said mentoring, I thought, oh yeah, that's interesting. I have been regularly involved in mentoring young people directly for free, um, since 2012. So it's been almost a decade now. Um, And some of my mentees went on to become professional cartoonists. So like, when I think of Aaron Polk, who is now a professional comic book colorist and artist, uh, worked on New York Times bestselling books. Um, Started working with him when he was 14, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and now, and I have a weekly check-in with one, with my current mentee. Um, we meet for one hour a week and we talk through their project and like, what's, what, what's stopping them? What are the stumbling blocks? What are they thinking about next? They give them the different, you know, strategies and approaches to, uh, get their projects done. So, but that's another one where it's like, I, when I see people online going like, Hey, I'm opening up applications to like get some mentoring from me. I realize I'm, again, in a privileged place in, in, in that a lot of my mentees, I meet through my classes, right? I teach an <laughs> eight-week course. They show up as paying students. And then I notice, okay, that one is the one where they, there's something that they're doing where I know they, they draw even when they're not supposed to, right? They, they get in trouble for drawing in class, right? They draw comics on their downtime instead of playing video games, right? That's the kid that I can offer help too. Right. And so I'll take the parents aside and say, hey, look, if you want, I can meet with them once a week for a couple of years, kind of thing. So what are you thinking about? I mean, you have been doing some mentoring, haven't you?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. And so this list I've, I put in the notes isn't just um like aspirational. Uh, yeah, I've been mentoring um uh, I would say ever since I was in a corporate job for like maybe a less than a year. Because I have an interest in teaching and, um, like, I mean, I did mentoring in my other jobs before I was in corporate as well. Um, just, yeah, teaching and sharing how we do stuff, adapting and all that stuff. It just, it's how I believe in working. And so I've had that kind of, um, that habit. And so I'd be recognized and uh, essentially assigned, okay, we have interns. Um, here you go. You, you report to Rob (laughs) because he, likes that and doesn't find it to be in his way or whatever. Other folks are like, God, uh, I got too much on my plate. (laughs) And they're not into that. And, you know, to me, I'm just, I'm like, well, I learn by seeing what other folks, you know, need and want to learn. So let's, this is, this is easily interesting to me and I, and I want to help. So, um, anyway, just, you know, fast forward to today, I am, you know, I'm, I'm in the pool of mentors for the university of Minnesota, um, product design program. And so, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's a fine system. It's interesting. You know, i um, like when I was at target, I was, you know, a mentor there. And when I was, you know, it, it, everywhere I've been pretty much, that's what I do. Um, but it It could look different nowadays i could I could start out you know new, do new new things with um uh instead of being you know working through a a giant institution i could just be you know uh, available as a mentor and i I could think about new ways to offer that so that you know is interesting um but and, or what if I themed it, right? So what if I got more focus and said, eh, maybe this isn't the right institution for me to be a mentor for, right? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, just trying to just see what shape that could take and evolve into. Um, there's, uh, I mean, of course I've done advocacy, um, as I'm someone who for events that, um, that aren't for profits and all that, I will, I will do free workshops, um, mm-hmm when you know when there's an exchange of value and and we're you know training professionals and then, then i do paid workshops <laughs> um but you know that that's a part of advocacy but then um anyway and then then this this scholarship thing i haven't done and i'm like ah this is interesting i could do something with that but i just haven't thought it through yet mm. so yeah anyway maybe um we could uh come back to that after a break
1: that sounds good yeah so yeah well let's let's dig at this idea of what what you mean by scholarships because i i have not done anything like that myself and i'd be curious to hear about your initial thoughts on it and how how it lands on me uh we'll take a short break and come back and talk about that so if this is helping you uh if, if, this, if this project, Lean Into Art, is helping you think and do useful creative work, a great way to help the show is to support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lean Into Art is the website, and it's a way for you to give us a monthly upvote. If you believe in the work we're doing here and you find value in it, you can contribute as little as a dollar a month on an ongoing basis. You can also cancel your subscription at any time, but I want to thank five people who have been supporting us on a regular, ongoing basis. Uh, Ashley Knapp, thank you, Ashley, for believing in us and what we do. And Mike White, you can find Mike White on Instagram at MikeWhiteRobot. And Metal Witch Sketchbook Project. Thank you, Metal Witch Sketchbook Project. And Catherine (laughs) Sugru, who you can find on on Twitter at KatSueGru, K-A-T-S-O-O-G-R-O-O. Stephen Black, thank you, Stephen. You can find Stephen on Twitter at Black's Sideshow. And a new thing we just rolled out, the Lean Into Art Monthly Lab. So, do you need a place to show your work in progress? We can all use encouragement and feedback. Have you found the gentle creative project pressure of a due date or demo day useful? The Lean To Art 90-Minute Lab Session is a place where we host a creative group of professionals developing their projects. The constraints give it meaning. It's a chance for you to show up, to share what you're working on, and what might be blocking you. And we'll be there to encourage you to find new possibilities. And it's a place to work in the presence of others, whether you choose to share or hang back. Each session held on the third Thursday of every month is facilitated by one of the two hosts of Lena to Art. Both Jersey and Rob have decades of experience in teaching and facilitation of creative groups and processes for all kinds of projects. Each session will be a unique one-time experience. So sign up to reserve your spot for the low introductory price of $10 per month through our Patreon, patreon.com slash Thanks to everybody who supports us there. It means a lot to us.
0: It really does. And minor correction. I believe it's third Wednesday.
1: Is it third Wednesday? Oh, thank you. <laughs> third Wednesday every yeah. month. So at the time of this recording, if you're listening to it right after we did it, you are correct, Rob. It is uh, March 17th from 8 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Uh, Central. And then mm-hmm. what is that? What is that? That's like oh, 5
0: p.m. Well, jumping all the way to the uh, Pacific, Pacific coast and it's, yeah,
1: 5 p.m. Pacific. Okay. mm mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, man, I put Thursday in there. Why did I put Thursday in there? All right, well, then it's time. Let's talk a little bit about, hmm. about scholarships, more advocacy. So what are you thinking yeah. about?
0: So as far as the, I guess, what, why, and who kind of things about uh, scholarships, it's, I mean, it's a mechanism to essentially offer a discount. Um, for different groups, for different reasons, right? So, what could that be? It could be 25, 50, 100% off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, uh, it could be sliding scale. So, you could do this based on economics. You could do this based on um, different groups that you want to send a caring signal toward that, that you know, maybe you're not exactly a part of. Or that you are a part of, right? So I can think of some obvious ones about being, you know, uh, looking for ways to be anti-racist and offer, you know, pro support of Black Lives Matter, um, anti-patriarchy type stuff, anti-toxic masculinity. It's kind of double negative there, but essentially pro being, you know, kind of masculinity. Um, And then uh, like LGBTQ plus support, that kind of thing. Um, but you know, Hey, I'm a cisgender middle-aged, you know, Caucasian male. So puzzles for that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, um, but you know, certainly no puzzles as far as the toxic masculinity thing. I've been fighting that my whole damn life.
1: That's yeah. Um, That's like, I immediately think like, gosh, Rob, you, you have already done so much good in that area of showing up as a different model of masculinity for people to see. And like, I feel like that's an area of advocacy that it just it, it feels very harmonious to who you are as a person and especially because mm-hmm. you have like you know a lot of history with that idea so yeah mm-hmm. that like i mean it's you know, a natural you, fit i agree yeah <laughs> so yeah but uh, cuz again it, there there's this whole uh, idea of well i mean this this is also a marketing thing it's like it's like how do you meet the constituency where they are and and connect with them to show them the value you have right mm-hmm. so um, that 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 that's I, I feel like I've benefited most from having face to face confrontations conversations with um the people that I want to work with and help um like and even in this day and age like I'm I'm working with all sorts of different groups in Ohio now um and we meet over Zoom first and talk through and I, like, the thing I keep telling them is tell me what you need you know what's what's one thing that you hope you like would be better after spending some time together um, I
0: like that that frame, because that's um uh, like a classic tell me what you need Sometimes folks don't always have that language to really dig into it um, because a lot of times you can get into the, into the back and forth ping pong of, you know, like, here you go. Uh, what, what do you need? Then uh, what can you do? It um, comes yeah. back at you. It's like, I can do a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, oh, that's that... into, like a, a focusing, you know, reason. That's great. Like, how, do, how would you think um, hope things would get better by us working together?
1: Yeah, perfect Yeah, yeah, and 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 because yeah, you're right. I have run. To, I mean, I just ran into this like a week ago. Where I said like, tell me what you need, and they said, oh, I hope you'll help uh, our students feel better about no, like express themselves through art. I hope you'll help our students express themselves through art. And I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> next question. Nice. <laughs> so, but yeah, I I I learned a while ago, not to lead with what I have to offer when I'm meeting somebody face to face, but ask them, what do you, what do you need? What, where, where's the pain right now for you? And then I listen and I try to say, okay, I, I think I hear this. Is that correct? If so, here's like three things I could do.
0: That's, it's, that's classic. That's a discovery conversation, right? So if you're, if you're starting to starting a project um, and you're trying to create a, a purpose. So you're building toward some folks call this chartering mm-hmm. and the, that, that, uh, the discovery is where you, you sort of do some, some matchmaking and clarification of problems and capabilities and responsibilities and stuff like that. Uh, potential, you know, value, the, you know, trade contract negotiation, that kind of stuff can, can be there, but you know, um, but then yeah, then once you know it's like you you've you've created almost a um well, I mean, do these things land in, in into a, a contract form? Or how does where does that go?
1: Yeah, usually like like well, this is like when I'm negotiating with different like school districts to do some kind of work with them, whether it's doing a, hmm. a presentation, uh, an assembly visit or an ongoing series of visits, one-day visit, that kind of thing. Um and no matter who it is. I mean, I have on my website like like three out of the box workshops like I could do the one of these three things if you want good, better, best kind mm-hmm. of thing. But I even if they contact me say we're interested in your, you know, monsters versus robots workshop, they'll say, "Okay, well, now tell me what you hope that you'll get out of my visit. What are what are some things that you wish the students would would get from me being there? What are some things that the teachers are having a special difficulty um getting the students to you know, uh, grasp onto or get excited about. Um, and then I use the language and I put it on my website recently. It's like, I want to be an asset to you. I want to be, I want to support the language that's happening in your classroom. And, mm. and I tell them that I acknowledge that I am the exotic fruit in the room. You know, it's like the kids are gonna be excited because I'm the visiting artist and I'm a professional cartoonist. Oh, magic words. So tell me what language you're using in the classroom so I can incorporate that so that I can reinforce what you're doing. So that when the kids say, Oh, that's just like what Mrs. Davy said. Right. I can say, yeah, yeah. she she doesn't push you around because she likes to push kids around. It's because she's here to help you. Like I'm here to help you. So
0: that is classic too. This is like, so um, in, well, consulting in, in user experience design and, and whatnot, it's that, that kind of, um, you know, discovery and the sort of onboarding with a, with a client and, you know, finding out mission and purpose and goals and uh, different problems, challenges, ups and downs, and incorporating that into what you do because you are in a very privileged position in that situation. You're, you're the, you're the fresh eyes, the consultant, the newness, right? Mm-hmm. And there's something about that where I know if folks can get down and, you know, uh, have a hard time with like, oh, you're not from here, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about different big organizations. I know the dynamics slightly different in a classroom, but it's that, but there's a lot of common ground with the whole, um, I'm going to pay a lot of attention to this new person because that other person has been around every day for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, Mm uh, you know, and I don't know if that's inherently like, I think it just is. I'm, where a lot of times folks can be frustrated where it's like, Well, we have a UX design department or we have an art department, right? Yeah. We don't need this consultant. Yeah. And it's like, Well, that's a little bit of freshness and when the freshness is on your side too. Well
1: and that's I think that's, that's also like one of the difficulties is, is convincing them they're on your side I have another story that I won't name names um, uh, but it was, a, it was years ago I was working with a school on a project where once again it was doing visits to help the kids make some kind of comic with the purpose being mm-hmm. to make a finished artifact of some sort right and the school hired me and then introduced me to their art teacher who wasn't involved in getting me into this now they agreed to have me in the room they said okay yeah he could visit but they were not involved in the actual selection and hiring so there was like a little bit of a disconnect in my first meeting with this person right and so I started Mm -hmm. walking through the idea of like well this is what I'm thinking about doing over however many weeks and then the 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 students will all be able to like photocopy their mini comics and trade mini comics with each other and all be published authors and the art teacher said to me looked thoughtful and said I think I would like this better if they're actually making art and so maybe you could just have their original art on display like real art instead of like comics. Now I'm sitting there going like, oh, <laughs> that was that was I don't know if you meant it or not, but that was hurtful. <laughs> but I, I, I fortunately had the presence of mind to lean back and say, OK, yep, I see that in, you know, we traditionally think of art, like a, um, a conclusion of an art creation process as having an exhibition of sorts. And we certainly can explore that, this idea of like holding up the original art and seeing the artist's hand at work. But in comics, um, something that is very, quite valuable as the, the cycle of making something is the actual reproduction of the thing and the kids will get tremendous value out of being able to say to one another, I'm an author, you are an author, let's trade books. And as a matter of, and I, then I, I cited like experiences where, um, you know, I, how I got work in comics by trading mini comics with the right people inadvertently kind of thing. And I was like, this is like one of the key principles of finding your way, like in, in the fine arts world, you have galleries, you have representation um, in terms of agents and art sellers, but in the comics world, we do it largely through like this kind of trading um, marketplace. And they looked they looked a little bit more thoughtful and they're like, Oh, okay, okay, I I I see where you're coming from now. And then it was completely amicable. And a friend of mine who was in the room at the time is like, it was as if like they were holding the book upside down, and I just gently came over and went, There you go. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> Oh, you know. Um mm. so I think there's like a real dance that needs to happen. And I'm not always great at it. I am I'm I've I've failed at it repeatedly of making the people within the constituency or organization you're working with understand that you're not there to be redundant or unnecessarily disruptive that you are on their side. You want, you're you're trying to achieve the same thing, the success of whatever constituency it is,
0: so. And that's interesting too, to learn the story of the organization where like sometimes folks can come in who are new that don't necessarily have that that agenda of of um, of of nourishing and uh, inclusion right mm-hmm. and you know like think of like negative words for consulting um, to describe like uh, uh, you know cronies of the boss right, or so they're just on a gravy train or what have you i don 't know if people say that anymore, but where it's like someone's just coming in and just taking stuff from the organization without really giving value, right? Because so, like, I I can see how folks could be, like, sour to this, right? Potentially.
1: Well, yeah, then, and, and also, like... Especially
0: if they weren't involved and you get dropped in, right?
1: This is where the, the Jedi Master who taught me how to teach, I watched her at work one time where she was in a room full of teachers who just were like almost hostile toward us because it's like, because part of it is too, is like, well, the the principal won't listen to me. How come I have to listen to you? Right. They bring in somebody from Mm -hmm. outside. We're the people who are living this every day. We're the people who know you don't know us. Right. And I watched my Mm -hmm. teacher like get these people to understand, no, no, I'm here to help you. And I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to list your pain. I'm going to, I'm going to acknowledge your pain. I'm going to be like, Oh my gosh, that sounds so hard. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Man, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? Right. And like, well, I wonder if there's a way we can work together to like look for possibilities on this kind of thing. Right. Like, all that stuff happened in that room. And I was almost out of breath watching her. I was like, wow, she's amazing. I got to be that. <laughs> uh, so, but, but it was, it was also thoroughly exhausting just to watch like how much effort went into like receiving all that pain, accepting it, taking the blame for it in certain ways. And then meeting them once again, where they were to say, but once again, I'm here to help. Let's see if we can find a way to help. You know? Hmm.
0: Huh? That
1: is okay.
0: I wonder, I wonder like if, I, how I can explore, I feel like I'm going to need, I've, I'm getting homework that, that is useful. I need to, that, that I need to do when like thinking through how to offer this, how to frame it. And, and, uh, as a think of it as a conversation, a way to discover in a lot of ways, like when you design an interactive experience, you have some kind of mental model about the progression of understanding, right? Where people can progressively get through some kind of narrative instead of interactions. And in a way you're, I think you're framing up a kind of narrative that I could turn into sort of, you know, interactions or, or sections of uh, content or ideas or as far as instead of just saying, you know, um, instead of not trying to be thoughtful about the messaging, I could be sensitive to like these different potential concerns and provide a way to dig further into it. Like, so that's how, that's what it would look like. So like, if you think about progressive disclosure as a design principle, you don't just drop everything on someone all at once. Um, and, and you also don't ignore the stuff. You make it available through their participation and exploration, even if it's a document, right? And then of course you can embody, you, you can embody that very well in a direct conversation, but that kind of needs to be turned into a th- um, um, something on my um, web presence, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think you're giving me good food for thought for how I could structure that something.
1: Yeah, the, the I, I recently updated my teaching page on my website and I put in more prompts to reach out to me and let's have a conversation, right? And so I actually <laughs> have like a, a link to my Calendly Like book an appointment with me, book a 30 minute meeting with me, you know, don't just pick something and email me. Well, I don't say that, but I'm like really trying to encourage, like, let's open up a dialogue first before we work together.
0: Mm. That's a good idea. So, yes, that's, uh, and that's how I have, uh, that's how I've worked with offering coaching, but then why not? That could, that could be, uh, That could be a general approach to uh, just how I present, like anything of of what I offer.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I, I haven't. Well, no, I've had one taker (laughs) so far. I've had one appointment just like pop up in my calendar feed going like, hey, somebody (laughs) wants to talk with you. Okay, cool. And it turned out to be a great, great, great connection. Um, It was somebody who wanted me for one thing. Then after talking to me, said. Can we do five things? And I was like, Yeah, let's do five things. That sounds awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. but but and, and it came out of that interview of the interview of like, tell me what you need. Okay, here's what I think I can do with that. So yeah, that's a really good point. I yeah, and I
0: I I am sold. I like I need to set up that, and also I can see how there's kind of a back and forth where just getting enough. Uh, confidence to say like, yeah, I'm going to put something on, you know, this guy's calendar, this person's calendar, because I think that this, this could go somewhere. Right. And at the very least I, I have this one thing that I feel pretty sure about, but I may have other things that I think I talking with them is I could, you know, get more confident mm-hmm. or back away or whatever. Right. That's, um, that is a really good point. Uh, instead of being, and, and for me, I've made it so specific, but, um, And like these things, yeah, I think they can work together. The combination of uh, of offering that kind of like, you know, we could could just have a discovery conversation. Um, Here's what I mean by that. Oh, okay, cool. Here's, just go ahead and set it up via Calendly. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And there's other services too, but actually that it's, I use Calendly also.
1: Yeah, there's other ways to do it, but yep, that one is pretty, pretty convenient. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. Ought to be. Give us some money, Calendly. Just give us a tip. Give us a, give us free accounts. We'll talk about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Because and we'll disclose, right? But yeah. this is that's a good one where it's like this. Yeah, I'd, I. It would be so easy that, that for that's one of those products where I could easily drop that in the conversation, ethically, reasonably, with some usefulness for our audience. Uh, I like it. All right. Well, great. Oh, there uh, you go, Calendly. Calendly, that's a pitch for you. <laughs> All right. Um, where. What else? Um, uh, like, so, what do you think of the? You, you seem, like, you seem like someone who's who's in your practice and your business. You've you've been doing this um, a while and iteratively, which has this sort of building upon prior knowledge and practice confidence stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I have some of that experience in different contexts, but I'm not, now I'm trying to weave it more into my independent business and
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So. I don't
0: feel as set up yet Mm. for that.
1: Yeah. No, that's that, that, that part. So I'm in a similar space, but it's like, it's sort of, I'm really practiced and, and I feel like I've got some, I don't want to say establishment, but I've I've got some credibility as a independent contractor, teaching artist kind of character. Um, to, to the point where like people are seeking me out now, which is really rewarding, but when it comes to my comics work, like I just don't have that practice in place. Like it's really, I have a lot of challenge. Or I face a lot of challenges in terms of proving my value to the comics industry or to publishers or to, uh, editors. Right. Um, mm. it, it's because like having a, having a book in your, in your history, uh, is no guarantee of necessarily getting another book. So, um, I'm, I'm trying to like mine my experience as a teaching artist and say like, what have I learned from doing that, that I could bring Mm. to my comics work so I could do messaging around that that's a lot more clear. Um, I, I guess
0: that that's, that's kind of what I'm doing is mining one experience and also, well, others experiences and to, to try to help, you know, figure out how to incorporate that into other things I am doing and, uh, to, to just to do it in new ways. So, um, yeah, I guess, isn't that funny? It's like, it's always easy to just sort of summarize and think, well, you took care of that and, and then show up and and say, well, no, there's, guess what? There's another, um, threshold edge goal thing, you know, place to go. And, and it's, and you got to start in some ways, start over. It feels like.
1: Yeah. Um, so in terms of like finding like, I guess I would I would go back to this idea of the hyper specificity and starting from that point, starting at the hyper specific point where you feel like you have the most clarity in terms of what your offer is. Because another thing that happens in my experience is, even though on my website it clearly says I teach children and teens, like the three sample workshops Mm -hmm. I put up there are for children and teens, I still get approached by people saying like, "Do you do adult workshops too?" You know, so Mm -hmm. I and you really don't is like you are like nope. No, it depends. It depends on what they're asking for. And that's where I'll say, well, what do you need? You know? And they say, we're looking for somebody with like, who, who will teach like a really in-depth illustration course. I'm like, I'm not your guy. Um, I'm, I'm mm. not, right? I teach visual storytelling. You want somebody with a more traditional illustration background to teach an illustration course, right?
0: Uh, how? Okay, so maybe we could revisit hyper-specificity because yeah. it's always a,
1: always a sticking point for me. So, um well, maybe this'll give you a I, I actually wrote out yeah. like I, I wrote a hyper specific audience statement of like who like the big why of what I do as a as a cartoonist. Now this is not a teaching artist. I'm talk I'm just stripping everything else away. It's like who do I make comics for based on yeah the hyper-specificity I've found through my teaching arts. And I wrote this, and I wonder if this will be helpful at all, as so I say, I make comics and graphic novels to help children who don't have the emotional support they need. These imaginative works are products of my creativity and whimsy, but their creation is guided by a sincere and deep desire to be of service to uh, to readers. That service can be in the form of instruction, inspiration, having their experience validated, and the thoughtful exploration of problems they face. I make comics with the intent of helping children face the world with courage and optimism. So, you know, there's more buried in that description than probably like what I've publicly disclosed uh, mm. in in my in my past, right? But mm-hmm. I wonder if like finding that really personal spot of this is my lived experience, this is where I feel the most um, fire and where I've done the most work as a as a as a creative person, and start there and work your way out. Mm. Okay. I think uh,
0: that makes a lot of sense. I still don't see an easy path to get there. I'm going to have like, but, and I I have to say like your statement was really quite clear and very uh, useful and inviting. And uh, I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to it to, to, um, to sort of uh, see what, see what comes out for me um, because there's so much I, to, to be honest. I, I mean, I have some planning and things I care about in my career, but like I like to show up and help and I'm, I'm and I'd like to spread the way that I help to others who care to also um, make that part of their approach. That's it. Right. So um, web development cared about that human centered design that one's carried through a lot more longer but i've you know still care about web development um yeah. and a- anyway so that's that's the tricky thing is the um the uh i've b- i've had the fortune and privilege to be in different places one of the things about my personality that where i get hired and brought into places is that i'm so comfortable being in piles of ambiguity where stuff isn't established okay and right. also encouraging people to help um like find you know, find clarity, find purpose and start making an important difference for the people that they're serving and start to include them and start to evolve and all that. But like, that's so hand wavy, you know, but it's, but when someone has that need, I get the call, you know, like Mm -hmm. from my network and people who know me and stuff. And, and it's, it's, um, it's this whole combination of things that as far as when I've helped and like been as much as my whole self as possible in certain gigs and that anyway you you've you've been jumping at reacting so what
1: well what i what i heard in that right have, there is like is like so somebody standing out the outside, standing outside you're in the weeds there is like i hear like yeah. you 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 feel um inspired to help when you see people who are having difficulty having clear conversations about what they're even doing together right Mm. Have you have you been in an office meeting, and it's full of confusing, jargoning language, unclear, un- uh, untested thoughts? Maybe a little bit of frustration with one another. You just don't feel good after your office meeting. I'm here mm. to help find clarity so that you can work together harmoniously. Right, like so I'm not, that was like that's so ultra first draft. It's it's garbage. But like what I'm pointing towards is like you said something about you you feel at ease being in a room full of ambiguity, and I think mm-hmm. that's something that you're you're talking about the pain point. The pain point is is like we don't even know how to talk about what we do. We don't even know what our mission is. It's a
0: yeah. Well, it's a bit of a, it's me not talking about what I do, but also um it really takes a certain kind of person to recognize that situation. That's true. And and then anyway, so yeah, we're, we're like, I need someone who's a catalyst to help others start connecting more and but I collaborate more healthily. In, right? there,
1: in there too is this idea of how you can rep- how you have shown up and, and consistently represented an alternate model of authority and masculinity, right? You, you don't show up as a commander. You show up as you're, well, you're, you're the old wizard in the woods that the that the heroes should have listened to, <laughs> right? <laughs> so going back to the Ash lad stories, you got like the wizard in the woods is like, "Hey, I got some help here that I can help you with before you go on your quest." Shut up, old man! I know what I'm doing, and they get eaten. And then the then the, the littlest brother comes up who actually listens to the creatures of the forest, it's like, "Okay, well, what do you got?" And then he gives them exactly what he needs to win over the dragon, kind of thing. So, yeah,
0: but okay, fair enough. I I I like the wizard metaphor, whatever you know. But like also, um uh th- with utter absence of uh hierarchy right yeah like being in the thing we're in a thing together and that's yeah. what you know um and we we adapt together and it's it's not it's not a hierarchy thing it's it's um, maybe we have different areas of responsibility or different skills we bring but it's it's not
1: so so uh, is, is you meeting them where they are? you are you're here to crush the hierarchy <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's something hierarchy I I embrace it when it serves the purpose but if it serves egos I often help people fight that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah and but,
0: yeah that's I Cuz I mean, if you really I mean if you want different outcomes you have to behave differently and that that stuff is scary. Yeah. And I'm like yeah it's actually awesome. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's try what if we tried? What if don't don't you, you don't believe enough yet? Well, okay, let's do, let's do some other things for a while. You feeling <laughs> ready yet? All right. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, mm. Okay, so we need to do another break and have some other wonderings about this.
1: Okay. So um, yes, let's let's take a moment and say if this is helping you think and do create. Uh, what is, is it? If this is helping you think and do useful creative work, if you found this discussion provoking and maybe a little bit inspiring, uh, you could help the show. And a great way to help the show would be to interact with the stuff, uh, the products that we make. And the product that I make that I hope you will check out is a free one, actually. It's called the 4 Million Years Later Podcast. And what is the 4 Million Years Later Podcast? It is the answer to the question, does creativity thrive in freedom or in constraints? It is a story analysis podcast wherein the subject of the study is the 1980s Transformers cartoon. We watch an episode a week and dig deep to explore the story's structure and meaning. We infer the writer's intentions and synthesize all those things within the context of conflicting needs of a daily television show explicitly designed to advertise toys. You can find it at 4millionyearslater.com or search for 4 Million Years Later in your favorite podcatcher.
0: Well, and if you would, uh, another way to support the show is to um, buy my workshop, Listening Like a Coach. It's, this is a, uh, let's see, it's a place where you can learn methods for coaching conversations. You can help folks get unstuck with their projects and goals. Um, you can learn some basic methods to to get started, but also advanced things for, um, well, listening in new ways, seeing the different Options for the kinds of conversations you have, and then purposefully offering someone a kind of conversation that is, well, it's called coaching. And then you're there to not tell them what to do. You're not. You're you're there to um, like help, you listen and absorb, and give this kind of gift of like really deeply attentive attention that it's it lets you explore and assist in the navigation instead of putting your own agenda into what you think they should do next. That makes sense for consulting. That may, may, sense, may, may make sense for some kinds of leadership and stuff. Um, or even friends reacting as, as just, you know, caring humans. But then again, listening like a coach is where you can help them navigate through their own problems. And that's what this workshop is for. You can get it at, um, just point your web browser to gum.co slash L-L-A-C-W-S. So Listening Like a, a Coach workshop, L-L-A-C-W-S. Um, I mean, are you someone who people come to ask for advice or do people ask to bounce ideas off of you and, and get your thoughts on a decision? Listening Like a, a Coach is a great mechanism that you could offer them. And you could just do that through this, uh, um, get some practice and experience with it with this uh, workshop at gum.co slash L-L-A-C-W-S. And Please note, you can get this at a very approachable price of $19 for the video workshop plus the worksheets, or we can do a one-on-one live uh, question and answer session for 30 minutes after, and you also get the video workshop, right? So um, you can do upgrades for you or even your teams or for up to 30 people. Go to that website, gum.co slash L-L-A-C-W-S, and you'll get all the options to get your right version of listening like a coach.
1: Super. And I would say this would also be useful for people who maybe want to try out the teaching arts, because I think uh, a lot of being a teaching artist, at least the, my approach, is listening like a coach. Um, mm. lean, leaning in, having private cons- consultations with the students to listen carefully to what they're trying to achieve, and then offer them a fleet of options that they can try out right then and there. Um, empowering students, rather than just simply telling them what to draw. Um, Anyway. Mm.
0: That's an interesting connection. Yeah, good point. And leaderships—you can show up in so many different ways, right? It's—it's it's, uh, and it's not mutually exclusive. As far as I mean, you—you you just there are different tools. Like when you like when you teach, you don't just have one one approach. Well, like, gosh. I-
1: I've also seen you interact with people at festivals and you are always, you're kind of always listening like a coach, right? Not to, te- not to push anybody or guide anybody, but you're always doing that really kind of thoughtful, careful listening and speaking back what people have said to show that you, not only that you're listening, but to like to uh, check for comprehension. And I think people always feel like warmer in your presence, you know? Uh, so I, I would argue that it also has like, if you're kind of awkward, like, uh, you know, industry meetings, that would be another thing, another reason to get this product, right?
0: Um, (laughs) I need to hire you on my marketing team. (laughs) My current guy is not so
1: great. (laughs) No, but I just like, that's like something that I've talked about with people a lot about, Like, what, like my work as a teaching artist has made it, like, I've gotten so much practice at listening carefully to what somebody's saying that It does make me like, I feel like it's really easy for me to engage in trade with stakeholders because I'm good at hearing what they said and proving that I heard what they said. I show up as a very compassionate and interested person. (laughs) Um, And that builds trust so darn fast, right? And it's not a trick. <laughs> it's not me saying, like, look at these naive fools who I put a, a gentle smile on my face and they give me money.
0: <laughs> yeah, I dare you to fake it. Honestly, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah you, will, you will fall down the steps with all the cream pies and hopefully have some humility at the end of it because you can't, f- like, like, having that much attention with, because you, you need to take your own agenda out, like, fully out yeah, totally. When you're doing uh, various kinds of coaching, uh, people call you because of your sort of specificity. Um, but also, um, you know, so you may have to, you you may be, it may be healthy and appropriate to to respond to like, well, someone wants a particular input or advice or tell me when, what you did when you faced this kind of thing or what have you. But that's a, that's a quick little visit. That's not, and now I've got my three tricks to, you know, to cause someone to get into their, you know, their, their kind of cognition where they're overly emotional or overly afraid. And now, ha you know, hmm. I got you.
1: Which, I, you know, we're, we're kind of like working off of the ad that we just did, but that also ties into this whole idea of being an advocate, right? Like this is something that you, you can't fake it. Um, mm. you have to mean it. This is in that, that, uh, that movie about a boy, right? Like you can't, like when when uh, Hugh Grant's character like goes to like like um, volunteer at like uh, what was it, Amnesty International, answering the phone, and he keeps screwing it up because he keeps getting distracted into flirting with the girls that he's talking with on the phone when he's trying to like solicit, you know, money for to help like causes. He's like, yeah, that's the problem. You have to mean it when you help people. <laughs> <sighs> so, um. <sighs> I
0: have to admit, I haven't seen that movie still, and I'm like, I've written that on my list multiple times. <laughs> I'm going to watch it. It just, it sounds so, uh, yeah, it's so touching and worthwhile.
1: You watch it uh, like a, a a relatively worthless person discover what value is in the story. So like that, that's mm. what I find charming about it. He's like he's like, a, and he knows he's a worthless human being at the beginning. Uh, so. Anyway, uh, is there anything else that we want to reflect on before we close this out? Uh, I feel like, yeah, this was, this was opening the bottle to probably a larger conversation about, like, you know, how, how do you show up in the world to offer the help for the constituency you want to help in a way that engenders trust and, and clear understanding and, um, you know, real communication of, of need and service.
0: Well, yeah, because there's a lot of what we're talking about, like communicating visually, storytelling. I mean, you could package that up for so many kinds of audiences or uh, human centered design, listening like a coach and doing um, like facilitation methods and all that. Like they they can fit lots of kinds of audiences. So the advocates that, you know, there's there's almost a hurdle to uh, a thing, a threshold to clear regarding the specificity about the discipline itself, the, the core sort of the crux of like, this is our the main value I exchange as a creative business, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm about this thing or these things, right? Mm-hmm. Fair enough, which is interesting. So I may need to have a different story based on each endeavor, like each creative project in a way of mm-hmm. like my workshops might have a, it's an advocacy agenda and method, and then my video games may have an advocacy agenda and method. And so that's, that's interesting too. Right now I'm focused on the workshops. I'm not trying to solve all things at once. No, but, um, but that's, even then, so you've got the that core discipline, but then you have the other signals like, like you found a way to weave it all together in your, um, uh, statement.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's, what's funny is, is that when I, I, I avoided that statement for a long time because I thought, if I go to any publisher and say that this is my audience, I've just talked myself out of a sale because they're going to say, Why don't you want everybody to read it? Why don't you want as many people as possible? But actually, that's not true either because publishers, at least in like the traditional graphic novel publishers, they're looking for a very specific niche audience. Right. So, mm-hmm. but I, I, I was very nervous about naming it that specifically. Like this group of children are the people that I want to make books for. Right. So, yeah. <clears throat> Well,
0: it's hard. And so like and part of it, part of my signal that I need to pull apart and find like what's noise and whatnot is that just because I have had a past and a path of applying these skills in certain audiences, it doesn't mean they're for my forever audience or something. Right. And that's a puzzle for me because because it feels awesome to work with adults to help them be more creatively confident and start to do more inclusive things and and uh, adopt more Uh, rigorous methods that are still very collaborative and inclusive that get them to make more rich decisions. Right. And it's actually super satisfying. I feel great about helping in that way. Um, but I'm like, is that, I don't know, is that my forever audience or is that, I don't know. I just made up that thing forever audience. Is there a forever audience? I don't know. I said it too many times. No, it doesn't mean anything. (laughs)
1: Oh, I'll look forward to coming back to this one and, and digging into it more. And, and I am curious how everybody else feels about this, this discussion that we had. Like, what are you thinking about in terms of like introducing advocacy into your creative work? What are some things that you can imagine going wrong? What are some th- things that you can imagine would be difficult for you? Um, how can you name your audience specifically? Right. Um, so with that. Mm, I, I, yeah,
0: that's a good conversation to totally hear from everyone about. Um, because I mean if honestly if this is a sticking point for you, yeah, we, we could do just some community talking about it, right? Not free consulting. We're just we have we have some common commonality, common ground, a reason to, you know, throw throw a message in a in a in a chat.
1: Let's help each such other. Such as the
0: Lean Into Art Discord.
1: Where the Lean Into Art Discord is at com slash Discord, and that is where you can go so that we can all work together to become as strong as possible. <laughs> we'll help each other become as strong as possible. Did I say it right? Did I get the quote right?
0: Yeah, and I think that's got to be part of my thing too. Like, I'm like, gosh, you just, you've been waiting to talk with me about this. You're like, haha, throwing all these good ideas. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm gonna pick it all up and try to put something this together.
1: Is, this is something I, I care a lot about, and I and I get really impatient sometimes with people when it's like, don't don't you wanna help people. And like, and I, I meet these artists who are like, I don't think about my audience when I make my, when I make my work. I'm like, I, don't, I never stop thinking about my audience when I make my work. <laughs> like, how do you do it? it that's like... a good buddy movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> the artiste <laughs> and the journeyman going on a You're road trip. You're a terrible roommate. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. But, I'm just... but which one of us is you know. David Spade and which one of us is, uh, uh, what's his name, Tommy Boy? uh chris farley
0: <laughs> i don't know honestly Hang uh, it you t- well we all know get
1: specific again it's my hang-up dude i would Stop be it. okay i gotta drop it i'm joking uh well i would be chris farley because i'm the good one uh anyway so we, we record this <laughs> that's show fair that's fair enough actually i agree with you. <laughs> we record this show every other week and we stream it all over plat- for, uh We stream it on all the platforms uh, and the Discord, so you can follow us everywhere and wherever there's the name Lean Into Art. Once again, don't forget to join our Discord at slash disc- uh, Discord. The audio podcast is at leanintoart.com. Until next time, I have been Jersey Drozd of leanintoart.com and Jersey Drozd at Instagram.
0: And I'm Rob Stenzinger, also of leanintoart.com. And I'm Rob Stenzinger, places like Instagram. Okay, bye show notes for this episode can be found at leanintoart.com you can also follow us on twitter at the user art, and you can reach us via email at leanintoart at gmail.com and remember leaners aren't wieners thanks for
1: listening